What's going on, everybody? This is Justin coming to you live from, nope, not San Diego yet. Uh, trip got delayed a little bit, so I'm still in Ballard, Seattle, Washington. A little fun surprise for you guys. You know, I got to keep you on your toes. Uh, we got a lean, mean episode and a lean, mean crew tonight. We got Jake, Zambi, and I think Dan's hopping on a little bit later. But uh, boys, I have a confession. Um, if you guys didn't hear me over the last few episodes when I would make my predictions for the Bengals, um, I think I officially have my first man crush. Uh, Joey Ice, Joey Franchise, Joe Burr. Uh, I don't know what it's been, but I sat around yesterday. I was talking to a friend. I was just like, I have thought about Joe Burrow more than probably anyone else in the world right now. I don't know why. And it's just like, it's the drip. It's the swag. It's the TikToks. It's this and that and the other thing. And then I'm just like, wow, I've probably spent a lot of time <laughs> just thinking about Joey Ice. So there's that. I had to get that off my chest. It's been weighing a lot on me lately. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, no, um, I'm in the same boat page. Like Joey B, he just got, he has the drip. He took out Jackson Mahomes. So I don't have to deal with him and Brittany anymore. So shout out Joey B. Thank God. But yeah, no, I mean, I, he's like one of the the coolest guys in professional sports. It's like, find one thing to hate this guy. Like, let me know. Cause I don't, I don't know. Neither do I. Uh, I'm worried that it's going to, it's going to be as I remember like when Patrick Mahomes did his first Super Bowl run, everyone loved Patrick Mahomes. Everyone thought Patrick Mahomes was so cool. You know, eating steak with ketchup and just being like a regular guy. But then, you know, I don't think he even changed. I think just the narrative around him changed. So I'm scared uh, this version of Joe Burrow is going to be taken from us. So enjoy it now, I guess. Yeah. Enjoy the moment. We'll, we'll all definitely relish in it for sure. I think um, a big thing is I don't think he has any Jacksons or Britneys in his life, at least yet. So. Uh, he's there's no Jackson Burrow. That's good. Yeah, there's no Jackson Burrow or Brittany Burrow. So uh, I think we're okay for now. You know, so far so good. And you know, it's been a it's been a fun ride watching him. Uh, the guy's just as cool as ice. So, um, but let's jump into the headlines, boys. Um, I don't know. I guess I'll start it off. But uh, the other goat, a player that actually reminds me a little bit of Joe Burrow. I should say vice versa, honestly. But uh, uh oh, Jake got booted. Uh, we're still live though, <laughs> me and Zambi. But uh, Tom Brady retires. Jay or Zambi, what do you think about TB12, the GOAT, greatest of all time, retiring? Yeah, I mean, I've said it before. Um, it's really hard to hate Tom Brady because he's just the best to ever do it. He has good social media. Um, I think him calling his retirement was kind of just like him saying, screw you, Adam Schefter, like you jumped the gun on everything and I'm going to do this my way because I'm the greatest of all time, which I fully believed. And it's going to be weird uh, not having TB12 in the league, but um, he's in the NFC, so I'm okay with it. But best wishes to him, uh, Giselle, and I don't know what their kids are called, but yep, have fun kissing your kid. Good night on the lips. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy that Tom Brady's retired. I mean, what he's been, he played for was it 20 years? I feel like there's more than that, isn't he? Like 22, 22 years, yeah. So it's literally, I mean, more. I mean, none of us started really watching football before Tom Brady was in 
in the NFL, which is crazy to think about. So yeah, like having the of... Sundays without, I mean, I guess there's one season where he didn't play a lot because of injury, but um, yeah, besides that, yeah, I feel like, I mean, the NFL is not going to take a hit just because, or it's not going to take a hit from this. That's a better way to say <laughs> uh, people will still have football, but you know, it is, it is crazy to see one of the best retire. Um, it'll be interesting to see who kind of steps into that role. It feels like we have a lot of kind of really good quarterbacks right now, like Rodgers and Wilson, who are like kind of hitting that late 30s, mid 30s age. And then we have all these super young, super talented quarterbacks. So it'll see, it'll be interesting to see who takes the mantle of like best quarterback. Um, was it, I think it was the 2001 Super Bowl. Wasn't it the Patriots and Rams? Right now, I'm thinking it's something t- totally different. Never mind. No worries. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy that it's the end of an era. You know, the the quarterbacks like Big Ben and and obviously Brady this year, but then you know Philip last year. Um, who else was in that group? I'm kind of blanking. Manning, um, Drew Brees, Drew Brees, all those guys. Rivers. I said Rivers, but yes. Oh. <laughs> of course you said no, I, I, Come on, that's my guy. But, uh, you know, it's it's kind of weird. It's just like a, a new chapter for all of us. And, you know, whether we like it or not, we got to be ready for it. But uh, moving on, Brian Flores, former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, is suing the NFL. Guys, what are your thoughts here? I mean, I think this is a totally justified lawsuit. It all, for, for those of you who don't know, the full story. So Brian Flores was tipped off two days before he was supposed to interview for the Giants head coaching job that Bill Belichick texted him thinking he was a different Brian, congratulating him for getting the job. It was Brian, what is it, DePaul or Dabble? Dabble. Dabble, who actually got it. So the Giants were just interviewing Brian Floyd just to check off the, what's the the actual rule? The Rooney rule which is mm-hmm. you have to hire a person of color or a minority. So, which clearly they just did to check the rule box. So, yeah, I'd be pretty pissed if I was Brian Flores too. And then there's all these allegations he's saying, and I think Hugh Jackson's saying now that the Dolphins and and the Browns for Hugh Jackson were paying them to lose games intentionally, which is just another just huge issue. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, <clears throat> I think it's pretty screwed up. Um, I was listening to ESPN, uh, Mina Kimes, one of my favorite analysts, and she was saying like, yeah, back in like the 2000s, like early 2010s, uh, there was six head coaches that were um, not Caucasian. And they were like, yeah, we're going to hire the person who's going to get the job done the best. And then at that time it's like okay yeah like this this is all right like there's six head coaches and you look forward to where we're at right now we only have one african-american head coach uh mike tomlin and so if you tell me that there's not a qualified person of color that can fill either a head coach offensive coordinator defensive coordinator position i think it's just absurd um it honestly kind of pisses me off and then um, we'll get into this a little bit more about Hugh Jackson later, but, um, yeah, no, something needs to happen. Um, we can't just kind of brush this off and yeah, there just needs to be change. 
Absolutely. I think the, the, one of the crazier parts is that these coaches were getting paid to lose and like, it's their, their job at the end of the day to win. You know, it's a little ridiculous, but uh, moving on, I guess we can start up with this Hugh Jackson also getting paid for each loss. Zami, did you have some insight on that? Uh, I don't have a ton of insight. Um, I mean, it makes sense why the Bengals were so bad for so long, but I don't know. It's, it's kind of like your boss is telling me like, Hey, don't close the sale and I'll give you 50 bucks. Like, it just doesn't make sense. (laughs) Like maybe that ended up with Joe Burrow ending up in Cincinnati or no, Hugh Jackson was in Cleveland. So Johnny Manziel, you could say, but yeah, (laughs) I I just think it's ridiculous. Like, I don't, it's just not a winner's mentality at all. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's all I got on this. Well said, Zambi. Intern Dan here, joining the party a little bit late here, boys. Sorry, traffic, Seattle, you know how it goes. Anyway, um, Zambi, I think what you just said right there totally hit the nail on the head. As the great Herm Edwards would say, you play to win the game. And doing anything else like that in the NFL, where you got guys that give their heart and soul and body out there landed on the line, you know, 17 weeks, you know, like 52 man roster and you, and your coach is getting paid to lose. Are you kidding me? That's mind blowing. Um, so, you know, the Brian Flores situation definitely, I don't think stands alone. I think sometimes, you know, something like this has to come out to really, you know, have other people get the courage to, to, to kind of come out and, and uh, say what's been going on and, Hopefully change does happen because it is absolutely ridiculous. And the NFL makes way too much money and has way too much of a platform. And if they can't, you know, do some little things here to change, uh, that's just awful. So, yeah. Yep. You guys are spot on for sure. Um, and oh. yeah, hopefully they okay. make some. Yeah. What's up? So <clears throat> is it a coincidence that Flores and Jackson – are the two coaches to come out about this? Do you think it applies to any other non-people of color? Um, I don't. I don't think so because, I, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe I. I'm sure the paying coaches to lose doesn't only apply to you know, uh, coaches of color. Um, I'm sure, you know, just those sat those type of organizations are willing to pay anyone to throw games to help the the organization, which this seems stupid to me. Like, even if you get a good draft pick, like it, like, look, Trevor Lawrence isn't going to help the Jaguars because the Jaguars culture is just rotten to a core, you know? Yeah. Um, as to the, I mean, I, I don't think it happened to, I mean, there's, there's no reason for like any of like the like white coaches to be like interviewed just because you said you would, you know, there's no gain for it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm kind of like, just like looking at this, like the disparity of how many um, people of color coaches there are in the NFL. It's like, if you pay them to lose, it's easier for you to have cause to fire them because I mean, the NFL outside of the players, it's predominantly white. And so I don't know. That was just a random thought I had. Um, not a lot of merit or not accusing anything, but yeah, just a thought. Yeah. 
no, it's a good point. Something to definitely think about. But um, NFL's racking up the headlines this week, boys, as the Washington football team officially announced their name change to the Washington Commanders. Instant reactions, Dan, go. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Tough but fair. I think Dan really... immediately mutes himself. <laughs> I think a lot of people were like, yeah, this is a fine name, I guess. Why did it take two years to come up with the commanders? But I'm yeah. sure it was like the third name pitch. <laughs> it was probably like capitals. Nah, that's the hockey team. Uh, uh, um, um. They probably just like had a couple names on the dartboard and just threw a dart just to see which one it was. I mean, if you have two years, you have to get something better than the commanders, right? Yeah. That's, Did they do yeah. like a mascot unveil or anything, or is it just the name? Like, uh, I think just the yeah. name. I think just the name and like the logo and the unis, like uniforms. What do you think of the uniforms? I don't know if I've seen the. Uniform. So they kind of look like army-ish. They kind of look like Florida State a little bit, like the black, red, and gold. Like that's kind of the vibe I was getting. But the best part of their unveiling is the fact that it got leaked last night. Did you guys see the video of the of the helicopter? The Wasn't aerial it? footage. Oh no! Uh, I thought I thought it was a a photo that got sent to like NBC Sports of like Joe Theismann. Theismann? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's holding this like packet of papers, and then you can clearly see that the commanders and the new logo are on it. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Of course, it's a, it's a total <laughs> video, Schneider move. Oh, yeah. The video I saw was just like, there's like a helicopter flying over like FedEx Field or whatever it's called. <laughs> And like zooming into the window, and you could just read commanders on there that they just kind of forgot <laughs> that people could see into God, the building. They didn't think to close the curtains. Yeah. And the fact oh, they got leaked the night before, that's very Washington football commander team. That's their brand. I'm still going to call them the football team, I think. Yeah. Same. Yep. Yeah. Not a lot of people care about this one, but this will be my last one, boys. Uh, Trade rumors, trade mills going on. Jake's on the clock all the time. Crunching numbers, crunching contracts, crunching salary figures. But the rumor today for the past week or so has been Sabonis to the Wizards. What are we thinking here? Boys, this is a juicy one because it, it kind of it makes sense. The Wizards have been trying to keep Beal, pair him up with an all-star, and you know, stay competitive is their main thing. I think Sabonis is all this for them. The real danger here, though, boys, is that part of this trade is you send Rui and Kispert over to the Pacers, which would just kind of leave us watching the Wizards and Pacers still, but just kind of in swap positions. Yeah, I was going to say, there's no way that that trade happens without us losing Rui or Kispert on the Wizards, right? I, I think there's a way if you do, like, Bertons, Abija, and like maybe like a first round pick or two might be able to do it. Just because Berton's salary is ridiculous. It's like $16 million a year. That's that is absurd. I do yes. think that we talked about like Sabonis trade rumors back in a long time ago, and the Wizards were my pick. That because... well, it looks like it's really gaining steam. Bleacher Report did an article on it today. 
Uh, I think if they can get the, if they're willing to trade over some, some draft picks, I think they can definitely get Sabonis. The crazy thing is in all the articles, it's just like, well, it's a well-known fact. Tommy Shepard is friends with Mark Pugh. Like Tommy Shepard is really just trying to make Gonzaga of the East in DC. And I kind of love it. Totally. Um, Here's a question for, as somebody that does not really pay attention to the NBA right now, are the Wizards competitive still? Are they like in the playoff hunt? They are. I mean, technically everyone in the East is basically in the playoff hunt. I believe they're ranked 12th right now or maybe not NBA trade. Let's see. NBA standings. I believe the Pacers are one spot ahead of them or it's vice versa. versa, Yeah. Wizards are 12th. Pacers are 13th. So the, but they're only one game out of the plan. So (laughs) they, you know, if they, if they got some bonus, they definitely would be able to make a push. I think so. Question is, do they think Sabonis is worth it? Uh, I feel bad for Rui if he just goes to Indianapolis. Oh, yeah. Like, part of why it was really cool that he's in D.C. is because of, like, the Japanese community there and Mm -hmm. the exposure. But Indy? Yeah, I feel like they would include Kispert in a trade over Rui just because I think D.C. also likes all the fans that Rui yeah, Kispert would be loved in, in, in Indy. Oh, oh yeah. They'd be like, is that Doug McDermott? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'm going to pull up uh, the Pacers roster right now. but Or not the Wizards, excuse me. But what are the chances that we get a Kispert-Rui-Sabonis combo? Probably not high. I mean, it's possible. Like, maybe if they include Kuzma in the trade instead. Kuzma's um, coming good, though, hasn't he? Kuzma is good, which is why I don't think they'd include him. But if they have that much confidence that Rui's going to keep getting better, because he has been playing better of late, um, you know, it's just a way to stay younger and cheaper, I suppose. But also, apparently, they just want Spencer uh, uh, Dinwiddle out. Apparently, he's is, is witty. Dinwiddle. Din, Din Witty. Oh wait, yeah, you're Din right. Witty. They just want. Apparently, he's been causing locker room issues. So really, be surprised. Yeah, a couple articles have been going out about it. God, Jake you used to be a beat writer in Washington D.C. <laughs> you're, you're, you're all. I, I start off my morning. I check the NBA trade rumors. That's basically what I do. And now I have to check like the Ukraine Russia war just to make sure like World War Three hasn't happened. But those are the two morning news checks. You mean like World War Three? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. World War II already happened. Oh, did um, I say World War II? My bad. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I don't know. I'm looking at the roster right now. One note, we also have Joel on the Wizards roster. What if we send Beal and uh, – what's his name? Oh, they're not going to send Bradley Beal for some bonus. Okay, what about Kuzma and Montrez Harrell in a first-round pick? The problem with that is the salary doesn't work at all. So bonus only makes like 19 million a year. And I think Harold and Kuzma combined it, that'd be like 30. Thanks. So you'd have to get that's why I think uh the one of the younger players are it's gotta be Avija, Rui, or Kispert as part of the deal. But uh, I just want an all Zags Wizards team. <laughs> There's also rumors that um they they could trade Bertons and a second round pick for Olinic 
which would be also electric. <laughs> Give me all the Zach. Olenek and Kispert playing the exact same spot and just subbing in for each other, which I would be very down for. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <clears throat> well, to our fellow listeners, uh, Page had to scoot off here. So our last headline here, we have Remembering Kobe. It was just a few days ago. It was the two-year anniversary. Um, it, I think it affected everyone in their own individual way. Um, Dan, being from L.A., um, I'll let you lead this one off. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, still absolutely <clears throat> shocking to think of what happened on that day. Uh, I remember it all like it was yesterday and just the state of shock that I was in. And then like, cause I was still working in you know, LA sports at that time. So like I went to work and all I did was just Kobe, 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 Kobe. And then I leave work and get home and it's just Kobe, 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 Kobe for like two weeks, man. Like it was just unreal. Um, but yeah, I mean, growing up in LA and being the avid sports fan that I am, nothing better than watching Kobe on a nightly basis and, watching the Mamba do his thing and in the postseason and win some rings and, you know, go out like only he could with his 60 point game against the jazz. So yeah, Kobe, man, just, he was going to do so many good things too. I think after basketball, which that's the thing that like hurts because of what he's going to do with his daughters and just the game in general. So crazy, absolutely crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, the day Kobe died, um, I was actually up skiing at Crystal. And for any of our listeners, Crystal Mountain, you don't get a ton of cell coverage. So I had no idea about this. And we finished our final run, go down to the lodge, getting a pitcher of beer. And they have ESPN on and they're showing Kobe Bryant dead. And I'm like, this, this can't be true. And I asked the bartender, I'm like, this isn't like some sick joke, right? And like, I'll be the whole LeBron Kobe debate. Like I side with LeBron, but like the way Kobe went out, I mean, it's just, it's heartbreaking because Grant, I mean, he's a girl dad. He's with Gigi, both of them rest in peace. Um, It was just very sombering that life can just be taken away that quickly. And I know we don't get like too emotional in the podcast in terms of this kind of stuff, but yeah, like Dan said, it's it sucks because, I mean, there's so much potential on life after the court for Kobe. And I think he changed the game. I think he changed um, the trajectory of women's sports, which is obviously a good thing. And, yeah, no, I mean, even just talking about this just kind of hurts. And I don't even – well, I kind of like the Lakers with LeBron, but <laughs> – uh yeah no well, it's, not it's, this year they're pretty booty i i don't follow the nba jake <laughs> outside of your updates from the the wizards but yeah no um yeah it sucks gone too soon uh i am glad they put a memorial statue up um but yeah r.i.p mamba no yep like what what's the same lot quote legends never die you know, I think that applies to Kobe. So that's all I've got to add. Just uh, 
but good to remember him and all, all the good things he did for, for the sport and, you know, just for the world. No doubt. And end it with this in terms of this headline is just the fact that his impact on this generation of basketball players is going to be felt for like, as long as we watch basketball, like people are going to still be honoring Kobe. They're going to be inspired by Kobe. Um, and then when people don't know, people never watched Kobe play basketball, then we are too old for things. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> let's God. just, uh, let's just let the, uh, you know, Devin Booker's and the John Morant's and Trey Young's and all those guys, because they're, they are literally who they are because of, you know, Kobe for a big, big, big portion of it, which that's all you can say about a legacy is the people you impact like that. So Mamba, cheers to you. Hey, you couldn't have said any better, Dan. Um, Mamba out, as we say. And that will lead us into our next segment with our beloved Zags. Uh, Jake, take us away. Yeah, I'll try to uplift the mood a bit. We're talking Zags basketball, as always, on this pod. Um, we did not spend a lot of time on the, the upcoming or of, of the games from last week in last week's episode. And uh, I think we were justified as the Zags crush Loyola Marymount 89-55 and then followed that up with 104-72 to 72 shellacking of Portland. Boys, I feel like we're going to run out of adjectives to describe big wins against these conference teams. Uh, did you guys have any major takeaways from either the LMU or Portland game? Uh, not a lot. <laughs> um, I'd say the biggest thing was uh, me and Jake made two new friends at Ryan House. Oh, the Portland game. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Shout out. What, uh, Christian and Peter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Christian actually uh, DM'd me on Instagram today saying I should infiltrate Scientology. So <laughs> those are the kinds, kinds of friends we're now friends with. <laughs> huh, okay. So Zami's takeaway was the Scientology invite. Dan, what about you? <laughs> are we just lumping LMU and Portland together? We can separate them if you'd like. Uh, was, well, was, I mean... I'm trying to remember LMU. Was LMU the uh, Chet game? LMU was the Chet game. LMU was where Drew Timmy started out ice cold. Uh, I, I feel like he missed almost all of his first shots. Uh, or am I yeah. thinking of a different game? That was that was San Francisco. That was San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Timmy just didn't shoot the ball really at, L or at LMU. Four for seven from eight. Chet, however, 21 points, including three of three from the three-point line. Uh, nine rebounds, three blocks, one steal. Just looking like an All-American and oh, yeah. number one draft pick. Yeah. So, Chet, I will I will touch on two quick things with this with these games. Holy shit, Chet is fun to watch. Um, I think he is totally come into his own now, and I, I don't know how you defend us when he is doing what he's doing. Like his like hit our our automatic offense now is get the ball up up quickly chet trailing three from the top of the key splash i mean that that is so efficient uh and then just his toughness dude like i i freaking love the guy and i was i wasn't skeptical coming into the season but i just wanted to see it come to fruition you know in the in the college game and granted it's lmu and they're not the greatest players of all time but the dude is a beast and 
God, I cannot wait to just watch him continue to progress and hopefully peak at the right time. Because if that if he's peaking at the right time, we're talking about a seven one unicorn peak. That's a peak that other people can't deal with. So that's my Chet take there. Portland, uh, if we shoot threes, I don't know who beats us. Granted, they were wide open. They were bad defense. Yeah. But I, what did Mark View say? He's there. When asked why why he thought they they made so many threes, he said, "Oh well, Portland didn't guard them." <laughs> yeah, they they didn't guard them, but like, still, we've had times in the past where we've had teams, you know, where we don't get great defense and have open looks and we don't hit them. But like, the I feel like the entire team now is confident from three. Like, literally anyone that steps on that court can can shoot a three now. Even Hunter South, which that was not part of his game at all. And now all of a sudden he's like shooting. I'm looking good. Um, Timmy, my opinion on Drew Timmy threes has kind of changed now. I think he can he can let him rock from from the top in rhythm only. I don't want to see more than two. If he makes two, <laughs> then, if he makes two, he can get three. It's like it's like challenges in the NFL. You have to get both of them right to get your third. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I mean, yeah, our our offense, dude, is just nasty. I love the the pace that we're playing um and again i know portland's not good but there's still something to be said for just watching good basketball be played no matter who it's against no i completely agree uh, i mean and chet crazy thing in the portland game he had 12 points all of them were threes like it seemed like he was almost like i'm going to use this game to practice my three-point shot in a game which i think is great you know no point in getting 28 points against portland like just let the whole team get minutes and experience also i'd give a shout out to anton watson this week continuing to just look like one of the best six men in in college basketball defensive enforcer can run the top of that press uh shooting great from the free throw which is huge for us i think because if i feel like that's what a lot of teams will will try to do with us is they'll be like well you know if we just foul them they probably have a, a better chance of only making one free throw than, you know, stopping a possession. So I think the free throw uptick is a really good sign. Um, and then, yeah, just unselfish basketball, but I feel like we just expect that at this point, a little spoiled in Zag Nation. Yeah, no, I agree, Jake. I think we are a little bit spoiled. <clears throat> um, touching on one of Dan's points here, I don't think everyone can shoot from the three, because we have Nolan Brickman. I love Nolan, but he's just not getting it done, you know? Yeah, um, but he looks so confident doing it. Like <laughs> He's, like, wildly inconsistent. Yeah, let's look at his three-point percentage. For the year he's shooting. He can look really good, and then he looks like Cooper. He's shooting 36% from the three. Like, it's not – that's a pretty good number for a freshman. Well, I think he was one for six this last game. Um, oh, for five. So I uh, get your point there. The recent yeah. Surprise. Yeah. I mean, there's that. But uh, <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Anton Watson in the top 25 for Ken Palm and defensive efficiency? He very well could be. I'm not sure. I could have sworn we had like four players in there. Um, Chet, Timmy, Strother. Uh, he's top five for steal percentage, it looks like. I think no it's the Evan Miyakawa or Miyakama, whatever one that is. I think oh, yeah, yeah. up in that. I think that's where I saw it, yeah. yeah. It's Evan Minakawa? 
Miyakawa, Miyakama. It's one of those. Dude, that's listeners. If you want, if you like stats, we know baseball is all stats, but if you want some basketball stats, follow that guy. This is not a free ad. He paid me 20 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say on um, (laughs) at this point. One shout out (laughs) to um, Portland was a little chippy. It didn't really care for that. I feel like they were a little, a little too edgy. I, th- I thought Julian Strother died on that one that he got pushed in the back. I don't oh, know yeah. I, if you guys were watching at a bar and stuff, you may not have seen it. It could have been really bad because his foot like gets stuck in the stanchion. And if he falls the wrong way, dude, oh God, that, that scared me. Um, but I love the, the edge. Like Hunter Salas is really blossoming into something special too. Oh God, he's so fun to watch. And he's just a defensive lockdown right now, just getting minutes the hard way, just through hustle and grit. And like Dan said, I think they that was a big focus in their preseason was reworking his three. He looked uncomfortable at the beginning of the season. He's looking pretty fluid now. And I think he was our first guy off the bench, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. I think he was. And sorry, I know we keep talking about this, but also remember when we were a little concerned about Andrew Nemhard's offense and can Nemhard shoot? Can he... Can he score when he needs to? I'm not too worried about that guy. <laughs> yeah. He, he seemed to answer all the questions after his – what, it was really only like a two-game slump I think he had. I think it was like Alabama and – I think he Tarleton. played battle against Tarleton too. <laughs> you know, like, and we were just ready to crucify the guy. Well, all I right. think one thing with Nemhard, I think he's just a game manager, and he kind of just plays to the opponent. Grand, yes – those games were bad, but I mean, like I've said this in previous podcasts, Gonzaga is so balanced that like anyone can score. They can't all shoot from the three, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think he's knowledgeable enough that he realizes certain situations and where his role's at, that that's where he excels. And that's the, the benefit of having um, <clears> it. <throat> a season bet on the squad comes into effect. No. Yeah. Can't really argue with the offense when we have the number one, two point percentage and a top 23 point percentage. So I think if we keep those stats up, we'll be pretty happy, but I'll, I'll move on to the upcoming week or games this week. So first up Thursday, we got uh, Gonzaga versus San Diego. Um, It'll be an interesting one. San Diego, not the best team. I believe they're ranked 161 in Ken Palm, if that's right. Yep, 161 with a 13-9 and record. Um, really no big wins to their game. Boys, I don't really know a lot about the San Diego team, to be honest, besides the fact it looks like their offense is very bad and their defense is subpar. Uh, do we have any predictions or thoughts going into this Thursday game? Um, I will say the Jenny Craig Pavilion in San Diego is a pretty cool arena. It's kind of like the kennel. You're super close to the court. And me personally, I know Jay Page is in the same boat. I love San Diego. It's one of my favorite cities. Um, I think the only way we, we lose this game is if the guys go to like Guava Beach, Firehouse, <laughs> side sidebar <laughs> just get super trash before the game or the night before 
but yeah, I think we'll handle them pretty easily. Um, I think I'll come close. I don't, I don't even know what the spread is, but I think I'll come close with the late minutes uh, bench guys. But yeah, I'm not not too concerned. Yeah, I think, uh, Jake, what is the spread? I feel like that's something that uh, you probably um, I don't have the official spread. Ken Palm has his favorite by 19. We should be should be on ESPN now, right? Um, like let's try. I always get mine from my gambling site. So Gonzaga by 21 and a half. Ooh. Ooh yeah, that's one of those. I'll, I'm definitely going to take that spread. But um, <laughs> San Diego um, plays pretty slow, I think. Ugh, I don't see it. I feel like this could might not be a pretty game tomorrow. Although if it was only on like root sports, I think it would have been worse. It's it's on ESPN too. We usually wipe the floor with bad teams on national TV. Um, so I think we'll be okay, but the slim Jim can get rocking. Great nickname for that arena. That is true. That you say Jenny slim Jim? Slim Jim. Yeah. I love slim Jim's. Jenny Craig, but it's very different than the Slim Jim you're thinking of. <laughs> well, I just know that the Padres have a slim chance of winning tomorrow. <laughs> yes, sir. And the other thing, too, is obviously we got a bigger matchup looming on Saturday. So they could look over San Diego. They could maybe come out and get hot and, you know, make it interesting. But there's literally no chance we lose this game. Jake, did you just call the Toreros the Padres? I did apologize. <laughs> um, that's on me. They're definitely not the Padres. Then I was, I think I combined the San Diego Padres and the San Francisco Friars and that made the San Diego Padres the college team. So for all our San Diego listeners, I assume Jay Page's family, I apologize. I thought that was intentional. So I kind of liked it. So, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> To all my Dodger listeners, you're welcome. Uh, okay, moving on to the, the big game Saturday. Kind has kind of lost some of its luster because of recent events. We play BYU in the Marriott Center. BYU is coming off two big losses to Santa Clara, which was a buzzer beater loss. And or Santa Clara is the buzzer beater, right? In Pacific, they just lost by three. Sounds right to me. And apparently Santa Clara at home is a quadrant A win, which I feel like a lot of people in the nation don't know that. Santa Clara ranked 74 in Ken Palm. Um, Still not a good loss if you're trying to make the tournament, which BYU is. BYU currently ranked 28th on Ken Palm with a 17-6 and record. Their best wins are over St. Mary's, San Francisco, then Oregon, but this was back when Oregon was kind of more respectable at the beginning of the season. Boys, what are we thinking about going into this game? What are we nervous about? Um, can the Zags get it done in the desert? Uh, <clears throat> I think we will, yeah. I mean, granted, the, the Marriott Center is one of the tougher places to play in the U.S. just because they're just fueled with hate and no alcohol. Um, yeah, it's, I think it just comes down to the uh, Zags executing the, their game plan. Um, I've been in Vegas a few times for the WCC, and uh, yeah, I'd say 
their fans are probably the worst. They're they're just not nice. <laughs> so I think as long as we stick to our guns, we'll be okay. Yeah, I think it's the uh, toughest game on the schedule. I know is is St. Mary's technically better. St. Mary's is technically better. They're ranked twentieth, but I just don't think St. Mary's has the personnel to match up with us. Well, I don't, to- we, I, I don't think BYU's got the personnel either. But I think what they have going for them is the environment at the Marriott Center. I think that is. Um, I mean, if you think about what we've played in lately, we haven't played in a game of that magnitude. I mean, I, I guess Phoenix for Texas Tech, but I don't think the crowd is probably as big. Like we, we haven't played in a game like that probably since Alabama. D- in oh, terms of, yeah, yeah, that's like, fair. A big arena, big crowd. Um, but especially, time, I don't know if we've played in a hostile crowd yet. That's that. That's what I was going to say. Is this time the crowd is out for your soul? Um, BYU can. You know, they may have had a, a bit of a slip up last week, but they can put themselves right back where they want to be with a win over Gonzaga on Saturday. So they're going to be hungry. But I, I just think our team is really, really finding its groove. I would love to see a little bit of, you know, road adversity. Uh, you know, maybe maybe it's some foul trouble. Maybe it's one of those games where Timmy can't throw a rock in the ocean in the first half. But um, I, I, I think we'll be we'll be just, just fine. As long as it's, as long as we make Barcelo work for his and don't let the other guys get hot. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see BYU's defensive scheme against us because last time we played him, Timmy went off. He had 30 points, 13 of 13 from, from the paint, which is a ridiculous stat. 0 for one from the three. So he messed up his, uh, his perfect shooting night, but I guess we'll allow him one, three for every 13 made two pointers. I think that's fair. Um, do you, do we think will will BYU try to really focus its game plan on stopping Timmy? Or do you think they just say, you know, we have to, we have to respect everybody else and hope Timmy has an off night. I don't think you can do the, the, Hey, let's do our thing where we let Drew Timmy get 30 again. I don't think that can be the game plan. Um, I think you probably start doubling him early. And if he's kicking out and we're missing threes, that's going to change the game. If, if, if he kicks out and we're hitting threes and we're staying hot and keeping it, you know, carrying it over from Portland, they're screwed no matter, no matter which way you, you slice it there. But I, I think you've got to at least try something different. Yeah, I think, uh, I think BYU, their best bet is to get, Chet and Timmy into foul trouble. So I think they'll just hammer the paint and just try and go about that way. Baja agrees. He's currently on my my shoulder. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think um, as long as we don't get in foul trouble and we don't turn the ball over too much, I think we just come away with the dub. We're just way too over. I mean, we have so much offensive firepower. Our defense is great. Um, yeah, no, I just – those two things, that's the only way we lose, in my opinion. True. Plus, got, or BYU has the, the hard part. They definitely have the hardest week of, of conference matchups this week where they play San Francisco Thursday, followed by Gonzaga Saturday. And you can't overlook um, the Dons. I'll use the correct mascot this time. Uh because, I mean, San Francisco is top 40 team, Ken Palm-wise. 
Um, honestly, I would not be surprised if BYU drops that game, um, even though it, it's at home in BYU. Um, who, which player are you guys looking for on the Gonzaga team to have a big night in, in Provo? Who, who do you hope slash who, who do you predict is going to have the most points or most impact on the game? Uh, I'd probably say I think it's gonna be Julian Strother's day. I think he's just—I mean—he's feeling himself. He's looked great, and what better way to kind of put an exclamation mark on your season so far as to just go off in the Marriott Center? I think it's gonna be Straw Daddy, as uh, as he says. <laughs> Jake, I'll let you go so you don't have to go last because Ooh. I want—I I want you to to get your opinion out there. I appreciate that, Dan. Um, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with Anton Watson. I would love for him to have a double double night, like 15, 16 points, eleven rebounds. You know, a couple steals. If he has one of those, is really efficient nights, and it just makes everyone, everyone who's game planning us, just realize you have to respect Watson too. And I think that just throws chaos everywhere. Because it was interesting the last two games, like Watson would just be driving towards the basket and Chet's three is so respected that the center is pinned out like to, to help on the perimeter. It's, it was crazy. Like we had our, you know, Fortis driving down the middle wide open. So I hope it, uh, the same thing happens against the, the Cougars. I like that call. I like that call. Uh, I mean, first time these two played, like we, we had that big debate. Who was the MVP? Drew Timmy. Or Andrew Nemhard. I'm going with Nemhard on the road in Provo. I think having a steadying force at point guard. Uh, if BYU makes a little run, if the crowd gets into it, Nemhard's been in huge games. Um, he'll be the one, you know, at the controls. And I think he will have another efficient uh, night where he also takes care of the basketball. And that's going to be the biggest thing. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Hopefully Nemhard can have, you know, is what he's just had like three or four games this season where you're just like, this is just beautiful basketball. This is perfect to watch. This is exactly what the team needs. And hopefully he just keeps building on that and making it more consistent. Um, all right. Score predictions for uh, tomorrow. Ken Palm right now has us winning 82 74. Uh, Dan, do you have the spread on ESPN? This is for BYU or uh, for BYU. BYU spread is not updated yet. They I think ESPN spread does it like 24 hours before the tip. All right. Well, we'll say Ken Palm's eight points. Um, so it'll probably be right around 10 points for, for, for betters. Uh, Dan, what, what do you think the final score will be in Provo? Uh, Gonzaga Bulldogs, 91. Brigham Young Cougars, 79. Ooh, I like it. A, a resounding win. Was that 12-point win? 12-point win. Cover. Nice. Zambi, what, what do you think the result will be? I'm also going with the 12-point win. I'm going to say 88-76 Zagaroonies. Ooh, I like it. I'm going to go a little bit higher. I think it's going to be 97-72. I think we kind of run away with it again. Um... Sorry, got a work email that popped up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we'll have to see. I think this is our last – actually, it's not our last big test. There's a lot of good teams still in the, the WCC, so we can't look too far ahead. 
But with that, that was our week in Gonzaga basketball, and I'll pass off to Dan with the NFL recap and Super Bowl predictions. Oh, wait, excuse me, excuse me. Eh, eh. God, it was such a smooth segue, but I skipped a part. We also have to call out, we have three Zags on the the end-of-the-year award list watch. We have Chet and Timmy, both in the top 25 for the Wooden Award. And then we got our own Andrew Nemhard, uh, top 25 for the Bob Cousy. Um, boys, are you are you liking our our players' chances of actually winning these awards? Um, the thing is, like I mentioned, Gonzaga is so balanced that I don't think a player can win it just because we we spread the ball around so much. Um, obviously, I want that to ha- well, I want them to win the award, obviously, but um. I just think it's going to be tough because some of the other players on the watch list, they're basically the apex predator for their offense and maybe their defense. But obviously that leads into higher statistics. Because I think Chet's averaging, what, like 13 points right now? Yeah, he's about 13 and nine, I think. 14. I think, yeah, I think you're right. And so three blocks. Yeah. I mean, it's just tough. I mean, it's not a bad thing that we're so balanced, but I just think it makes it harder for them to get those accolades in terms of the end of season awards. But obviously I'm pulling for them, but it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough to win the wooden, that's for sure. I think the wooden is the is the challenge out of those. I feel like that usually goes to like the highest scorer. So Timmy is going to be the better option than Chet at this point. Um, <laughs> But in terms of Nemhard, I like Nemhard for the koozie. I mean, who else is who else is on that list? Yeah, I feel the the same because for for the koozie, I can't really think of like a top uh, point guards in the league who are you know just kind of as elite as Nemhard. Like, I guess like Tiger Campbell or. Oh. Get out of here with that. Tiger Campbell does not belong on the same list as Andrew. He's probably on it. Yep. Tiger Campbell. Yeah. So it looks like. Okay. Can you read me this list? This is bad radio, but, but look. Javon Swinley for Alabama, Wendell Green Jr., Auburn, James Aquino. Right. Aquino for Baylor. He's a good player. Kinjo. Yeah. Isaiah Stevens for Colorado State. I assume he's playing well. Nemhard, of course. Uh, Wheeler from Kentucky. I, I don't think he's that good. Will Richardson for Oregon. Nope. Kennedy Chandler for Tennessee. Tiger Campbell for UCLA. And then Colin Gillespie yep. for Villanova. I thought Colin Gillespie would be on that. I mean, I think the Auburn point guard probably is going to have an argument if they're mm-hmm. number one. <laughs> but in, in Akinjo, I, I feel like it's got to be a, like the best point guard on the best team. So... Nemo's going to have a good shot. We'll see. Yeah, I, I, I think he will. And I think just all the kind of national attention he gets will help him. I agree with you, Dan, uh, for the Wooden Award. I feel like Oscar Toshiba is going to win it. I mean, dude's averaging like 18 and 15, which is just crazy. So, I, I mean, and I, I totally think you're right, Sammy. It's just because our team's too balanced. Chet and Timmy, you know, split points and minutes and then you share it with Anton you're only probably playing like 25 minutes a game on average um but you know just awesome to see um all our zags being recognized 
fine. No doubt. Well, nicely done, Jake. I will now transition us into the National Football League, and we are set. What is this, Super Bowl 57? I will believe you if you say it is. I feel like it's like 50. Shit, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know either. I, I wish That's... I could have done that better. Um, we are set for the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium for the second straight season. There is a home team playing in the Super Bowl as the Los Angeles Rams defeated the Jimmy G, formerly led by Jimmy G 49ers. And the shocker of the century, Cincinnati Bengals, four wins a year ago into the Super Bowl now, erasing an 18-point deficit, the largest comeback in any AFC or NFC championship game in the history of the NFL. Just like we all predicted, Bengals, Rams, Super Bowl, SoFi Stadium. Boys, what are we thinking here? I mean, let's we got to start with sit with Cincinnati, Kansas City, because that was crazy. How Kansas City dropped that game, I have no idea. Like, did the the Bengals defense like did they just have the best halftime speech of all time? Because I mean, they got that stop to end the half. Which I'm like, okay, good for them, I guess. Like, maybe it'll keep it respectable. But they just used that momentum, and they just came out so hard against that Chiefs team. I was I was blown away. Yeah, blown away is, is a great great way to describe it. I mean, you, you've seen teams come back before. Obviously, we know what Brady did, 28-3. Like, the Chiefs with Mahomes – uh, the year that they won the Super Bowl, they had to come back from like multiple double-digit deficits in the playoffs at home, and you know teams teams are 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 able to uh, come back, but there was no way in hell that the Chiefs were going to blow that lead, and you know Burrow and the Bengals had a great run. It was a great great ride, good story, but hey, Kansas City was reminding everybody that they're the big dogs again. They're going to go into the Super Bowl. They're going to win in L.A. Mahomes going to get a second. And then, boy, oh, boy, how the turntables turn because <laughs> that was insane. The defense, you're right, just ratcheted it up insanely. Um, Joe Burrow is that dude. I know Paige is bummed that – or maybe Burrow – maybe Paige already talked about Joe Burrow on this show because I know he was talking about – He already about, talked about his man crush. He literally opened that <laughs> show before he introduced us. That's good. I like that. But, yeah, Burrow <laughs> – Burrow's a winner. We saw it at LSU. We've seen it these playoffs, and it was on full display last Sunday. And, uh, man, shout-out to the Bengals. I thought they would be competitive somewhat quickly, but no one. And, I mean, nobody thought that they'd be in the Super Bowl. Have you seen those videos of Dan Orlovsky from the beginning? Oh, yeah, yeah. He, for some reason, predicted the the Bengals. Or he said, he's like, I'm saying with Joe Burrow, like this year, like they are Super Bowl contenders. And like Stephen A. Smith is just shitting on him. Like, that is stupid. You're stupid. I and thought he's got the was, I thought what he said was if you give Joe Burrow the Pittsburgh Steelers defense there in the yeah. Super Bowl. I, mm-hmm. I thought that's what he said. Did he actually oh, call the shot yeah. with no that, that's what he said? said. If if they have this uh Steelers defense, he makes the Super Bowl. Okay. Well, I he'd probably win the Super Bowl with the Steelers defense, but he could win it now. Actually, who knows? Yeah. This is I was just crazy. Gonna it's gonna be a very exciting Super Bowl, regardless. 
yeah, no, um, it's going to be, <laughs> like you said, Jake, it's going to be exciting. I think it really comes down to the offensive line for Cincinnati, just keeping Joe Burrow clean. Grant, he didn't get as roughed up as much as the Tennessee game this past week. But, yeah, no, Joe Burrow, I've already said on this episode, he's the man. Um, they kind of seem like a team of destiny. And I think an interesting factor, too, here is um, with the Rams, one, Jalen Ramsey gave up Tom Brady's last touchdown. Does that affect his mind? at all two i don't think so (laughs) does it kind of get in their heads that they're the first team playing in their own stadium for the super bowl and what was my third thing oh obj if obj pulls off the i want out of cleveland send me somewhere else and ends up winning a super bowl his dad's just gonna get so much credit (laughs) Just like, like, yeah, I got my son out of Cleveland, but uh, yeah, they're still serving Skyline Chili up in uh, Cincinnati, so it's kind of screwed up. <laughs> but, People are already uh, saying that OBJ's dad is like the GM, or like, is like the executive of the year, so or, or yeah. no, agent, I think agent of the year. <laughs> God, but but going back before we we break into the Rams, um, Rams Bengals, I mean. What did you guys think about that Rams Niners game? That was, I mean, that was a great game too. Yeah, it was. Talk about uh, another team that had a lead and lost it and had a missed opportunity. Jaquaski Tart, that non-interception. I think they, I think the quote in the group was Dan Hands coming from Zane. I that doesn't won, sound like Zane. He would. Never I one million that. percent would have caught that football. <laughs> God, that was brutal to watch. And, I mean, that's exactly how I thought the Niners were going to lose what in whatever way. Because essentially, to win with Jimmy Garoppolo, you need to win the turnover battle and just expect him to do something stupid, but have won enough turnovers that it doesn't quite matter. And with that drop ball, it ended up Jimmy Garoppolo was going to have to do a drive, and he just threw that. I mean, it was a terrible attempt. I get why he's trying to do like save the clock, but you can't you can't throw that ball. And of course, their season's going to end on a, a bonehead move by Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I mean, I was watching at Jake's place, and uh, <laughs> shout out to uh, one of our guests, uh, Arden. Uh, there's this NFL memes uh, video I sent to the the whole pod. So yeah, at least uh, the, the 49ers still have this. And it's the infamous, uh, was it Joe Montana, Jerry Rice? Joe Montana, Dwight Clark, the catch? Uh, the one in the back of the end zone. The one he's leaping up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big white guy, Dwight Clark, yep. Yeah, so it starts off with that. <laughs> and then it just transitions into, oh, interception, but Tart dropped it. And I'm just like, uh, it was kind of a dick move. I'll Sorry, Arden. Sorry for the other 49er pants I sent it to. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it just kind of sucked because, I mean, I'd rather have the Niners than the Rams. Sorry, Dan. Sorry, Zane. Kev. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Zambi, as a, as a diehard Hawks fan, who you'd rather have in the Super Bowl? 
rather have the Niners. Um, I don't know. It just feels like the night period on the Niners. The Rams are uh, too pompous right now. And so we need to knock you guys down a couple of eggs. I love the word pompous. That's a great word for them. Um, but I do love Cooper Cup, though. That is my one. Um, I wanted the Niners to win mostly, so my fiance would be happy, you know. But um, I mean, I think it's hard not to root for Cooper Cup. I'm definitely rooting for the Bengals in this upcoming Super Bowl. I want Cooper Cup to have like 300 yards. Yeah, I think this game um, is absolutely massive for the Rams, like following and fandom in LA. Like, if you win this Super Bowl at home in LA, I think people like will like genuinely gravitate towards them and actually follow them and not just be like, oh, they're going to be bandwagon. LA, I mean, obviously you're, it's going to be bandwagon, but it's just the thing that people don't understand about the Rams or even the Chargers, like all of a sudden bringing another team into a sports town that already has the Dodgers and the Lakers and stuff like that. Like they're just so far behind everything where it's not, they can't even compete yet. So like they have to win to be able to get into the conversation in terms of, you know, Lakers, Dodgers, they're obviously not even close to that. But if they don't win this, if they go to two Super Bowls, two losses, LA is going to move on from them, and it's a, and it's just not going to really matter because I know that the crowd already, like, yeah, the Niners fans traveled very well again, and as they should. Um, but like Rams fans sound a little louder, but people, it's just very fake Rams fandom in LA. It definitely it's looks like a lot of Instagrammers. Oh, I just I was gonna say that, Jake. I was gonna say the models. (laughs) No doubt about it. But you know, people were like all in on the Rams when they when they came back, they go to Super Bowl, they lose in a very bad fashion. Sean McVay's, you know, wonder boy offense doesn't score. I don't think I think they had a field goal in that game. Oh god, that was so gross. I don't want to see that. That was one of the worst Super Bowls I've been. It was so boring. Oh, that was horrible. I worked at NFL Network for that one, and I was like, this sucks. I hate this place. (laughs) Um, Uh, But, no, I think think we're in for for a fun one. I mean, everyone can count out the Bengals all they want, and I was one of them last week. I may be doing it again next week, but they're going to fight, man. And watching Burrow on that stage, like, think about – Think about the endorsement deals potentially on the line for Joe Burrow. Think about all the stuff we see Baker in and Mahomes. Like, Burrow, if he wins this one, dude, that guy is going to be everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah. I feel like the Rams personnel is almost tailor-made for this Bengals team. Like, all their strengths are designed. Like, the obviously, the defensive line of the Rams is terrifying. And it was, it was giving the – Niners offensive line, which is a pretty good offensive line. It was giving them fits. I can't imagine what it's going to do to this Bengals offensive line who seems to forget how to block like every other play. And like every play, it was like second and 15 or, you know, hold like, I mean, Seahawks fans can know what happens when the Rams go up against a shitty offensive line. And I mean, I think Joe Burrow's tough enough to overcome it, but that's a lot to overcome in Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald. And am I forgetting any, any like all-star? Uh, I think former first round pick, Sean Robinson from Alabama oh, yep. on that D line. 
But and then you have Jalen Ramsey on Jamar Chase, which you know that's that, that'll be that, a fun matchup. That'll be interesting. That would because I think I you got to give the edge to the vet here. I mean, no, nothing against Jamar Chase. He's played in huge games before, obviously, but I mean, Super Bowl. There's going to be some nerves, I assume. Yeah, I think uh, one thing too about the the offensive line for. For Cincinnati, Zambi said it earlier that they did a hell of a job of protecting Burrow against Kansas City. But Burrow also, you know, some of those scrambles in the fourth quarter, like literally getting out of tackles, like he's going to have to do that and then some against the Rams because you're right, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, those guys are going to get after that offensive line and Burrow's going to have to improvise and really be tough as nails, which we all know he can be, so – it's going to be fun. Yeah, I think uh, Burrow, he's won a Heisman. He's won the Natty. He He's accustomed to this stage. And so I don't think it's going to, like, affect him at all. And so I think what it really comes down to is um, Cooper Cup, Bengals offensive line, and then just who can be the better quarterback. And – I side with the Bengals. I want them to win, but I'm also kind of nervous because Matt Stafford is a seasoned vet, you know? And so I think that experience is granted the lions haven't made the playoffs in freaking forever, <laughs> but uh, I think all of his, his experience it'll work, but um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. And ball is tearing up a bag. So I'm going to go on mute. Yeah, it will be as Matthew Stafford is, is definitely a gunslinger. I feel like people don't give him that term a lot, but if you look at all his games this year, it's he's throwing touchdowns, but there's going to be interceptions too. So it's, you know, the Rams, I could, I, I wouldn't blow my mind if they won by like 20, but, you know, it also, it could be a bad day for Stafford. So it, it will be interesting to see how he performs. Stafford's been balling and you got to give him his credit, but, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he he can go penthouse to the basement real quick, back to the penthouse, back to the basement, and it's a wild ride where Sean McVay probably thinks he's back with Jared Goff at times. But then Stafford also makes throws that Goff would have no business making, and Stafford's also obviously a little bit more athletic and can shake off a little bit of a pass rush. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. The other thing we have not talked about is Zach Taylor versus Sean McVay. Zach Taylor used to be on McVay's staff, I believe he was the quarterbacks coach. Uh, for the Rams may have been even when they were in the Super Bowl. I could be wrong on that, but um, obviously familiar with each other, two young coaches, two teams that are made and built drastically different ways. One's through the draft, one's through, I've never used a draft pick in my entire life. Let's trade them all. Let's get every former pro bowler we can find. So um, very contrasting styles there. And, and uh, hey, one of these teams, I mean, <laughs> I, I can't imagine living in a world where the Cincinnati Bengals are Super Bowl champions. <laughs> yeah, have they they have they ever won the Super Bowl? I don't think so, but I could be wrong. I mean, I think they went to what? Did they go to two and lose to the Niners, or did they only go to one? Uh, I think I, I, can't I don't think they've won. I don't think they have. Is what they've been won a playoff game before this year, in like well, it was like twenty years, right? That was wild. It's almost Mariners drought like yeah well hey. i mean nothing's hey. that don't put that shame on them Dan. but so 
all this talk about the game, I feel like we're still a little too early to make Super Bowl predictions. Can we can we hold off on it and save it for next week? Yeah, let's hold hold up. There's still anything could happen. We got to see who's available, but I'm excited for it. That's oh, gonna be it's gonna be great, and uh, maybe the pod can get together. We can all kind of watch the uh, with the Seattle boys up here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Maybe maybe even Spokane Zane drives drives out west. No chance. Yeah. No, I'm calling <laughs> it right now, Zane. If you're listening. Get over here. I'm going to have some buffalo chicken dip for you. Ooh. Ooh. That's hard that to pass up. All right, boys. So I think that's all we had on the agenda today. Um, a pretty pretty quick episode, but I think we covered some great points. Um, any closing thoughts before we sign off? Uh, one closing thought. Uh, Trojans, baby. Caleb Williams. Oh, my uh, God. God damn it. Is he... Is he now going to win the Heisman? Yes, that's 100% my uh, Heisman guy. When I said yeah. that Lincoln Riley's going to have a Heisman winner, it's 1 million percent Caleb Williams. Oh, man. God. Uh, It'll be interesting. I mean, I hope USC implodes upon itself like a dying star, but, you know, that's just me. I don't see it. I think I don't see it either. I'm just pretty nervous about this a, roster that's forming up. There's a ton of talent and a good coach. I don't think it's going to happen overnight, but – I, I think they, they have a very, very good foundation. I think you guys are both wrong. Jane Daniels winning the Heisman next year. Forks up. And I'll have a little NIL segment for you guys next weekend. Or Ooh. next week. Ooh, love Glorious. a good NIL. Maybe, maybe we'll get some athletes for the pod. Um, <laughs> I'll just say closing. Shout out to Rui and Kispert. 11 points each and a big win over the Sixers just now. So, ooh, that's 22 combined Zach points right there. That could, number could be like 40 if we had some bonus to the team. Just think. Just think, uh, or Tommy, not Tommy, but Tommy Shepard. Way to make this episode come full circle, Jake. Right? <laughs> why everything circles. This is why Inside we play the circles. circles. Russian nesting doll. Full mix of graphics for it. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in, and have a good rest of your week. Good night, good Mormons. Excuse me.